coming up, D-backs make a flurry of roster moves. Who do they reportedly have their eye on in free agency and the good and the bad from Ketel Marte's 2022 season? All on today's Locked On Dimebacks podcast. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. I almost had a little burp in there. Go on there, check out all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked on Diamondbacks on both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And please go hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. We are currently at the time of this recording sitting at 199 subscribers, getting dangerously close to 200 subscribers. So please go hit that follow button, Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube as well. And of course, Thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. And on today's podcast, we got a whole bunch I want to discuss. We're going to be continuing our player reviews by discussing Ketel Marte, the good, the bad from his 2022 season, best case, worst case scenario for 2023. But before we get there, we need to talk a little bit about the offseason because it was a big day for Major League Baseball today because teams had to protect what players they didn't want to go in the Rule 5 draft. Um, free agents had to decide if they want to sign their qualifying offer or not. So there was a lot of roster decisions that team had to make today. And one of those teams that had to make roster decisions is the D-backs who made a flurry of moves. They pulled off a trade today. They DFA'd guys. They added guys to the roster. So let's talk about some of the moves that the D-backs made. And I don't even want to talk about the players that the D-backs add to the roster I want to talk more about the players that the D-backs DFA'd off their roster, off their 40-man, because one guy that the DFA'd is Sergio Alcantara. And listen, I'm not too upset at this one because I always thought Sergio Alcantara was not very good. I never understood the appeal with him. I think there's a reason why he kind of bounced around the whole NL West throughout the season. I would have liked to see those opportunities go to someone else. I don't know who that someone else would have been, but I would have rather an internal player than a Sergio Alcantara, who I believe the D-backs originally sent away to the Tigers in the J.D. Martinez deal. So interesting to see that he had a nice little, uh, a couple cups of coffee with the D-backs this past season. But I think DFAing him was the best option because I don't think he's very good. And I think him getting opportunities takes away opportunities from other people on this roster in the minor league system. I just don't know really what he provides in terms of value to this D-backs team. Like, it was a nice little player, but offensively, he doesn't do much, doesn't really have power, doesn't really hit for contact, doesn't have a ton of speed. Like, I don't know what he offers to my team. Yeah, he's a veteran, but uh, again, is he is he good? Is he above, like, the mediocre line? Is he above that Mendoza line for mediocre players? I'm not too sure about that. So I'm not too upset to see Sergio Alcantara leave. 
This next guy, kind of interesting that he got DFA'd because he right now is resting, rehabbing, debating if he should get Tommy John surgery. And maybe this decision makes it easier for him. And that is Caleb Smith. Because remember, when you get DFA'd, you either are just getting you're getting removed from the roster, and then the team either has seven days to like trade or just add you to the waivers. So another team could just claim you outright. So for Caleb Smith, we'll see what the D-backs do with him. I doubt that any team would want to trade for a player that could potentially undergo Tommy John surgery. So I don't see that really being an option. So he's probably going to hit the waivers. And I'm guessing another team might pick him up. Maybe not. But for Caleb Smith, like he's one that was always kind of enigma, always up and down. This past season, if you look at his bullpen numbers, like his ERA was good. But when you watch Caleb Smith with my eye test, Gives up a ton of hard contact. Just gives up contact overall. A lot of it. Walks dudes a little erratic. Used to still like to give up the home run ball and the long ball. At one point, I think in 2019, led the American League in home runs allowed. So, Caleb Smith, I think, is just a wild card of a pitcher. And I just don't think he's very good either. Like, Sergio Alcantara, Caleb Smith. Like, I want to bring in a wave of quality players. At least guys who I consider average or above average and I think Sergio Alcantara and Caleb Smith are both below average players so I'm not upset to see those two leave but this next guy I was a little bit surprised he got DFA'd maybe not too surprised because of how loaded the D-backs outfield is but Stone Garrett getting DFA'd like Stone Garrett the last like 40 at bats he had like he struck out a ton he started off when he got with the D-backs really hot but then really cooled off after that but still I love Stone Garrett a brother don't got enough brothers in baseball great story was selling real estate like during the pandemic and then took another shot at Major League Baseball and he was solid in the little small sample size he had with the D-backs this past season I would like to see if there's a way if the D-backs could bring him back maybe he still gets sent to the minor leagues I'm not too sure how the DFA works to be honest but I think there's still a chance he could be sent to the minor leagues or maybe um maybe no one claims him and the D-backs could just re-sign him if that's possible I don't know but Best case scenario, since he's being DFA'd, maybe the D-backs could trade him for a middling reliever in someone's system. I don't know exactly what we could get back for Stone Garrett. Probably not much, but I am sad to see that he got DFA'd because Stone Garrett was one of my favorite D-backs players this past season. And the last guy that the D-backs DFA'd off the 40-man is Jordan Luplo. I don't think this one's a surprise because Luplo, I think, was a big disappointment for the D-backs. Like a lot of their veteran offseason additions, it was able to provide the pop. Like if the D-backs wanted to bring in a, a, a platoon guy that could hit home runs, they did get that value out of Luplo, which is 11 home runs in just 200 plate appearances. But outside of that, a below 200 average, some mediocre defense, like not really providing much at the plate outside of that. Like he was good for a pinch hit home run or two but outside of that Luplo didn't do much for this D-backs team I think it was a big disappointment I think this was probably one of the lesser seasons of Luplo's career so I'm not too upset to see Luplo leave so really of the four players that the D-backs DFA'd Stone Garrett is only is going to be the only guy that I miss then the D-backs made another roster move today by pulling off a trade and trading away a minor league pitcher in Ross Cover, uh, a starter who made his double-A Amarillo this past season for a guy named, let me get his name exactly, Carlos Vargas. He is 23 years old, 6'4", and he looks primed to make an impact on the major leagues uh, on the major league level this season because he spent this past year in double A and triple A and in triple A he had a 0.9 ERA so he his numbers in double A were 4.81 ERA in 24 innings pitch but when he moved to triple A a 0.9 ERA and the thing with Carlos Vargas that is a little bit concerning is that he's coming off a Tommy John surgery but he's a hard throwing right-hander and he's a guy that's 
Got plus plus tools when you look at his fastball and slider combination. He's mostly a two pitch guy. He's got some secondary pitches that, you know, it doesn't seem like scouts love too much, but his fastball and his specifically his slider. His slider is supposed to be real swing and miss stuff. Uh, throws a 90 plus mile an hour slider. So this guy's expected to maybe be a back end bullpen reliever. We'll see if he actually ends up being quality. But the fact that he can throw hard, I don't like the fact that he's coming off Tommy John surgery, but the farther you get removed, move from that I like it a little bit more because I think a lot of guys come back from Tommy John surgery and they end up throwing harder and can even look potentially better with new technology nowadays like when I hear a guy gets Tommy John I'm like yeah that sucks he's gonna be out for like at least a year but when he comes back I might actually think that guy's going to have an even better career than pre-surgery so for Carlos Vargas I like taking the potential and the flyer on someone young big and throws hard the D-backs don't have enough the D-backs don't have enough swing and miss guys in the back end of their bullpen and bring in a guy like Vargas who can do it with a slider maybe produce some ground balls as well I like this move a lot for Mike Hazen Ross Carver maybe he ends up biting them in the butt eventually but he's a guy who was good in high a and then when he moved to Amarillo wasn't too good um this past season in the minor league so I, I don't mind this gamble at all for a Mike Hazen for a guy that could come into the bullpen and immediately make an impact for this D-backs team now, let me see first what ad I have to do so I can let you guys know what kind of segue I want to make. Okay, I see the segue. So, hopefully Carlos Vargas can lock down the ninth inning. Maybe he's the closer of the future, and maybe he can protect the leads. And if you need something to protect your house, you need to get Simply Safe because today's episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. If you've thought about securing your home with home security, but you've been putting it off, you'll want to listen up. Right now, Locked On Dimebacks listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you won't want to miss out. Here's why I love it Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022 by US News and World Report a third year in a row. In an emergency 24-7 professional monitoring agents use fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. Simply Safe is a whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. 24-7 professional monitoring service costs less than $1 a day, less than half the price of your ADT's traditional professionally installed system. With the top-rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere, arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, or adjust your system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe sim- get get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/lockedonmlb. That is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com/lockedonmlb. There's no safe like Simply Safe.
became a little bit of a tongue twister for me at the end there. But let's talk about that one D-back free agent that, or not D-back free agent. Let's talk about that one free agent that the D-backs reportedly have some interest in, have their eyes on, and that guy is actually coming from an NL West rival, and that is Evan Longoria. There's whispers that the D-backs might be interested in Evan Longoria, and I don't hate this idea. I wouldn't hate the D-backs bringing in Evan Longoria. The biggest downside probably for me is the fact that he's old, he's injury-prone, and his defense is starting to fall off. But if you're telling me he's going to just be a platoon guy for Josh Rojas at third base and maybe be a platoon guy playing DH as well as a right-handed bat, like I don't mind that as all for this D-back team. I don't think he should be a full-time DH. But if he wants to split time, get you know 35% of the time at third base um, with Josh Rojas and then also mix in a little DH, I wouldn't mind that. The thing is, if we signed to Evan Longoria, like, I don't think I would want Evan Longoria and Emmanuel Rivera on the roster. Like, I feel like that would get kind of redundant, and I don't think one guy is a lot better than the other. Like, I think the D-backs would have to pick and choose there. So I'm not against signing Evan Longoria, but I think you would have to make a move with Emmanuel Rivera if you were to do that. But just looking at Evan Longoria's numbers, like, the worst number that I see, I think, is the games played. 81 games in 2021, 89 games in 2022, but... If you can look past that, like 13 home runs in 81 games in 2021 is pretty good. 14 home runs in 89 games this past season is pretty good. 833 OPS in 2021, 767 OPS in 2022. So there's still some very encouraging signs for Evan Longoria showing that obviously he's not the guy, not the offensive player he was back in Tampa Bay when he was like an MVP candidate year after year, a multi-time all-star, a guy that could put up 30 home runs and a near 900 OPS, but he's still a guy, when you look at the hard contact stats, baseball reference, over 90 mile exit velocity the last two years, actually above 91. Hard contact percentage, super high as well. 46.8% this year, above 50% the year before. Super high BABIP, around a 300 BABIP the last two years as well. So there's a lot of good things that Longoria does. Strikeout rate's probably too high, 27.9% this past year, but almost a double-digit walk rate. Like, you definitely take that from Evan Longoria. So I do like Evan Longoria. I would be pro this move. He's got power. He's still got pop. He's still a veteran leader. Uh, he's been on a bunch of winning teams. Like, I think he could really help inspire the young guys and just show them what a professional looks like. And I think he could still be kind of productive as well. I don't want to see a ton of him at third base because of his lack of defense range. Like, he's an old guy, but getting his bat in the lineup, I think, would make this lineup a little bit better. Like, with runners in scoring position last year, Evan Longoria, a 267 average and a 990 OPS. Like, this is someone that still produces. In those big moments, high leverage moments, a 918 OPS last season. So Evan Longoria is still someone that could produce uh, some pretty good numbers. He's not going to put up the all-star numbers like I said in the past, but as someone that's like your sixth best player in your lineup, like if he's someone that's batting sixth or seventh for you near the, the bottom of your lineup, if you have Evan Longoria like batting seventh for you, I think that means your lineup is super deep, super strong, and it's got pop in it. So I would not mind Evan Longoria at all to the Arizona Diamondbacks. And one other reason why he might come to the D-backs, because it's not just the D-backs are interested in Evan Longoria. I think he actually had like a public list that included three teams. I think it was the Dodgers, the Giants, and I think it was the D-backs. Um, I know it was the D-backs. I think it was the Dodgers and Giants as the other two, because apparently... Evan Longoria has a house in Arizona already. So I think the odds of signing, I think the odds of the D-back signing Longoria are pretty high. 
if their interest is actually real in Longoria and they want to go in that direction, I do think there's a pretty easy path to bringing him to the desert. Now, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the good and the bad from Ketel Marte's 2022 season. And I first want to start with the good from Ketel Marte because, unfortunately, it was a lot more bad than it was good from Ketel Marte because, of course, Ketel Marte is like the prodigal son of Arizona. It's like this guy was kind of a diamond in a rough that the D-backs found him. Like, I want to pull up maybe the uh, – I don't think I could pull up the exact trade that netted – Ketel Marte, I believe he was acquired in the Gene Segura trade, but Ketel Marte, I mean, that 2019 season was phenomenal. He's entering his seventh season with the D-backs next year, so Ketel Marte has been here for a hot minute now. We've seen a lot of ups and a lot of lows from Ketel Marte, and this was definitely more of a low season from Ketel Marte, but let's at least start with the goods and talk about why he could be in, why he could be due for a bounce back in 2023, because one thing you could look at from Ketel Marte this past year that says, you know what? Not everything was bad from Ketel Marte's 2022 season. You look at the hard contact stats, 90 mile an hour exit velocity on baseball reference, hard hit percentage above 42%. Three of the last four years, if you take out 2020, above 90 mile an hour exit velocity and above 40% hard hit percentage, you do like to see that. If you're Ketel Marte, that does show some signs that he's still getting the barrel to the ball and still producing some pop. His strike, his strikeout to walk ratio, still pretty good as well. His strikeout rate was higher this season than it's been since like 2016, but 18.1 strikeout rate for Ketel Marte, like that's still super low. And even though this was his highest strikeout rate, during his time with the D-backs, it was also his highest, it was also his second highest walk rate during his time with the D-backs. So even though he was striking out more, he was also walking more. So his strikeout to walk ratio was actually still one of the better ones. Well, like I think it might have been the second best strikeout to walk ratio he's ever had with the D-backs. So there's still things he's doing at the plate that's impressive. I just talked about the hard contact stats. Like his extra base hit percentage was still double digits this year. Like at 10%, barely above double digits, but it was 11.8% last year. Like, that's not too far off. Like, for Ketel Marte, I think a double-digit extra base hit percentage is still, excuse me, I had a burp real quick, It's still very good. And then the last thing that I thought was pretty impressive from Ketel Marte's season is he came alive at the end of the games. Like, we needed a big hit. You guys know I love to look at my little groupings and from inning seven to nine, that was Ketel Marte's best inning grouping because inning seven to nine, Ketel Marte had a 293 average and a 795 OPS. So you knew if it was a close game late or, you know, just any time when it was a run scoring uh, opportunity late in the game, Ketel Marte had a better chance of producing than as it being earlier in the game. Ketel Marte was a player that was better when he went against the bullpen than a starter because against bullpen and relievers, Ketel Marte, a 278 average and a 784 OPS. So he really liked to go against relievers and bullpen guys from this past season. And specifically, Ketel Marte really came alive at the end of games. But from this whole past season, like when I look back at it, it was just not a very good Ketel Marte season. It was not the season that I would have expected for Ketel Marte entering the year. And it's definitely not an it's definitely not an acceptable season for a guy that's considered maybe the best position player that the D-backs have. A guy who just got a contract extension before the season started. But am I still a Ketel Marte believer? Yes, sir. You best believe so. So if you want to bet on Ketel Marte bouncing back in 2023, you need to head to betonline.net because it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports betting info. 
they have the best stats, they got the best news, and they got the best analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it, we've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix in. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's talk about Ketan Marte, the bad from Ketan Marte's 2022 season. Because, like I said, there was a lot more bad than good from Ketan Marte's season this past year. And the first bad I want to talk about is just the raw numbers. Like, just the traditional stats. Before we even get to the crazy advanced numbers, advanced stats, like, just look at the, the, the normal stats. Because Ketan Marte only played 90 games in 2021, right? But he still had a 318 average and a 909 OPS. But this past season... Ketel Marte in 137 games, like that's a pretty large sample size. A 240 average, the lowest of his career. A 727 OPS, the lowest during his D-backs tenure. Like those are not good numbers. 12 home runs, 12 home runs for Ketel Marte. That's the lowest he's had during his D-backs tenure since 20 since 2017. If you take out the COVID, pando- uh, COVID pandemic shortened season, because I don't think you can count that. Um, into this rationale first time he touched triple digit strikeout numbers like you don't like to see that as well so just the raw numbers overall for Ketel Marte like only 52 RBIs I think that number is just way too low as well and only two triples this past season for Ketel Marte seems really low too so for Ketel Marte the extra uh, the extra base percentage was still there but the triples and the home runs were not there like Ketel Marte was a doubles machine this year but triples and home runs were not there just the pure contact, the pure hitting tool for Keta Marte was not there. And he was striking it out. He was striking out more as well. Like, those are not normal things that Keta Marte does. You look at his isolated power. Like, isolated power is basically a metric that gives more value. It's just tracking, like, your extra base hits. And then it gives more value to triples and then even more value to home runs. So, for Keta Marte, he had his lowest isolated power since 2018, if you don't count the 2020 pandemic shortened season once again so in terms of isolated power this was not a good season for Ketel Marte if you look at the productive outs at Ketel Marte the productive out percentage for Ketel Marte this is basically you know when it's like a man on third and one out did you at least get a sacrifice fly Ketel Marte had the lowest productive out percentage since 2017 21.7% of the time, he just made a productive out. Last year, is 29% of the time. 2020, it was 47.8% of the time. 2019, 27.3% of the time. Like, this is a guy, usually above a quarter of the time, he's at least getting you a productive out. He's not just going up there and striking out, but this past season, less productive outs. I think it's one reason we'll talk about later why he wasn't as good with runners in scoring position. You also also look at his double play percentage for Keta Marte, like, Double-digit, double-play percentage at 12.2%. I think it's pretty high for Ketel Marte. Like, during the 2019 season, it was only 6.8%, 12.2% for Ketel Marte this season. Like, there are just too many times with 
runners in scoring position. He did not come through for this D-back team because you look at Ketel Marte's numbers with runners in scoring position, and that was always an area where he just excelled at, was always one of the clutchest D-backs players when you had men on the bases. But runners in scoring position this past year, a 210 average and a 699 OPS with men on the bases, a 230 average and a 661 OPS. So don't love to see that, of course, by Ketel Marte. Also had the lowest contact percentage of his D-backs career. Like, the the contact is what you expect most of all from Ketel Marte. Like, you know he can get the barrel to the ball, hit that sweet spot, find the gaps in the, in the field of play, but not this past season for D-backs. First time of Ketel Marte's career that he was under 80% contact percentage according to baseball reference, which is just insane for a guy who... Just been a contact machine throughout his career. And one interesting nugget that's kind of tied to this, I think, he saw the most pitches per plate appearance during uh, the most pitches per plate appearance in his career this past season. So was he seeing too many pitches? Should he should he have been more aggressive? I, I don't know. It's hard to say, but 2021 and 2019. He saw 3.8 pitches in 2021 and 3.84 pitches in 2019. So two of his last three seasons that were really productive, he saw a lot of pitches at the plate too. So I, I don't even know if I could count that stat into that contact percentage stat overall because I'm not even sure if those two are correlated. I just want to throw it out there. Ketel Marte was not good against righties. He was really good against lefties this past season. He had like a, over 800 OPS against lefties, but against righties, Ketel Marte, a below 700 OPS, so not good in that area for Ketel Marte. Um, he was also just not good when he had to play second base. Like, it was really weird phenomenon for Ketel Marte, but when he was playing second base, like, his numbers just fell off a map, a 237 average and 694 OPS when he had to man second. But when he was a DH, at 802 OPS, so I, I wonder if he has to play more DH going forward. I hope not. I, I like Kito Marte at second base. I don't think he's the most elite defensive second baseman, but I definitely think he's fine and he's serviceable in that area. And then also for Kito Marte, not good against breaking pitches this past year, a below 200 average against breaking pitches. That's a big reason why we saw the strikeout numbers climb up so much. He has to get better at those breaking pitches so he doesn't just become an easy out at the plate. So worst case scenario for Kito Marte in 2023, I think, what we just saw this past year in 2022 is the worst case scenario. If it's another season like this for Ketel Marte next year, where he's an inconsistent offensive player and you consider maybe making him a full-time DH, like that's not a good scenario for Ketel Marte. And if he has another season like he just had this year, next year, then that 2019 year really starts to look like an outlier, which is not good. And you're going to say, that Ketel Marte is more of an inconsistent player than a consistent one. And maybe he's not a true star. Maybe he's not a true, you know, multi-time every year, just pencil him into the all-star game type player. Because I thought Ketel Marte, when healthy, when looking right from 2019-2021, was that kind of player where you're just like, oh, undisputedly the best second baseman in baseball. But what we saw in 2020 and this past year, it's hard to say that. So worst case scenario for Ketel Marte, we get another 2022 season type season from Ketel Marte next year. But best, the best case scenario for Ketel Marte next year, I think, is, of course, he bounces back. And it looks like the guy that we saw in 2019 
and 2021 like 2019 is an MVP guy but 2021 is still an all-star plus player if we could just get 2021 Ketel Marte where he's not a 30 home run guy but he's definitely a 20 home run guy he's definitely a guy above 300 average smacking doubles smacking triples looks athletic out there looks confident at the plate like just looks like a pure hitter like Ketel Marte is such a pure hitter and we didn't see that this past season and the D-backs need someone to be a star in their lineup Christian Walker was very close to looking like a star this past season but the D-backs need someone to actually look like an all-star and play like an all-star because you don't want to put all the pressure on the Corbin Carrolls the Dalton Varshers of the world to really produce as young players like you want a Ketel Marte to be that guy for the lineup to be that lightning rod that all the players could look up to and say look look at our our leader Keta Marte putting in work at the plate let's go put in work as well because I think this lineup next year if Keta Marte is unlocked and it looks like 2021 Keta Marte like think about what an unlocked Keta Marte looks like next year with the lineup doing what they did this past season or potentially getting even better for next year like think about Adalton Varsho if he just repeats what he had this past season next year with the Christian Walker, if those two guys just repeat what they had this past season with the Jake McCarthy, those three guys just repeat what they had this past season. And a guy like Corbin Carroll actually looks like a really good player. Looks like the guy that we all expect. A Josh Rojas, a full season of him, and he gets even faster, and he steals 30 bases, and he has a solid contact numbers as well. And then the D-backs go out there and sign somebody in free agency. I don't know. Evan Longoria is able to hit 18 home runs in uh, you know 80 games or something. Something. like think about how scary and Carson Kelly has potentially a bounce back season like if all that's happening and then you have a, an unlocked Ketel Marte mixed in as well like that makes the D-backs lineup super scary for next season I think it makes it dynamic I think this D-backs lineup can have speed and power next season so I think it all starts with Ketel Marte though I think he's the leader of this clubhouse at least offensively through actions and if he's not performing well I think it just drags down this whole lineup and it just like because Kenta Marte is too good of a player. He's too big of a brand. Like, if he's struggling, you're still putting him at the top of your lineup. So that just kind of hurts your team overall. Like, you're still going to be anchored to Kenta Marte. You're still like, he can bounce back at any time. We have to make him, you know, second in the order every day, no matter how he's performing. So for Kenta Marte, if he bounces back and we get the best case scenario from him next year, I think it could unlock this whole lineup and make the D-backs a super scary team in 2023. Now, that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. We'll be looking at some potential free agents that the D-backs should go after, courtesy of Arizona Sports. We'll do another little player review as well. I'll keep that one a secret, but I'm just going order of baseball reference from top to bottom by the lineup. So maybe that can help you guys guess because I already did the catcher, the first baseman, and the second baseman. So go look at who's next on baseball reference if you want to guess who the player review is going to be about tomorrow. But come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks News Covered and Insight. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks News Covered and Insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.